0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Heavenly Father, um, bless this time we have together uh, to look at and learn from your word. Father, let it seep down deep into our hearts and then uh, be expressed through our lives, through how we see, how we react, how we act. Father, the one huge message that you have for us today is that we have been freed. We are free, but we don't always act like it. Uh, We've been freed from sin, but we don't always act like it. We go back to slavery. Father, let it not be so. God, let us take hold of the victory that's already been granted through the gospel. Let us walk in the freedom you have already provided. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I worked with a guy, and we'll call him Bill. That wasn't his real name, but he was in his mid-20s at the time. Uh, Bill was overly nice, trying to please everyone. Uh, he worked 60 hours a week, although he only got paid for 40 because he really wanted to please his bosses, and his bosses were very happy to take advantage of him. Uh, Bill couldn't cope with stress either, so alcohol and drugs became his constant companions. Drugs and alcohol multiplied his problems. They made him depressed and exhausted. Work became more difficult. And since he didn't want people to know, he became isolated and even more prone to substance abuse. Now, what was Bill's problem? There are actually a lot of right answers to that question, but consider this one. Bill was a sin slave. Bill was enslaved by fear, by the idols of success and popularity. He was enslaved by alcohol and drugs. He gave his life to these things that made him miserable, but he couldn't stop because he was in a love-hate relationship with them. He loved what they promised, but he hated what they gave. Still, he believed their lies because love, whether that's love of a person or love of success or love of money, makes us blind to the real state of affairs. How many times do people justify their abusers because they love them? Bill needed rescue. He needed rescue from himself, rescue from his idols, rescue from his slavery. Bill needed a new deliverer, and he needed to learn to fight in freedom before it was too late. Now your life may or may not look like Bill's, but we all have one thing in common with Bill. Before we knew Jesus, we were trapped. We are born slaves to sin. We need to be freed and then we need to learn to fight. So today we're talking about redemption. We have been liberated to make war. We will spend some time in Exodus today. I want you to see that the Exodus story is a story of redemption, and it's your story. When God rescued the Israelites from their Egyptian bondage, it was a shadow of what Jesus does for all of his brothers and sisters. Luke nine thirty through 31 tells us that Christ came to perform a second Exodus, the real one. He rescues us from sin slavery. He rescues us from the penalty and power of sin. So as we look at the Exodus today, remember, it's about you. Now to understand the Old Testament Exodus, we need to put it in context of Genesis. So let's run through that. In the beginning, God made everything good. No pain, no war, no sickness, no human death, no slavery. Adam and Eve were free. Given the world to govern and enjoy, they were asked to do one thing. Trust God. They doubted. Genesis 3 happens. Adam and Eve turned from God as their source of truth to Satan, and that decision plunges humanity into sin slavery. Since then, all of us are born with hearts dominated by sin. Just like Adam and Eve exchanged the glory of God for a piece of fruit which they thought would make them glorious, we exchanged the glory of God for created things that we think will make us special. Since the fall, our dead hearts have believed that life comes from creation rather than God. We slave away to squeeze every drop of life we can from creation, but we'll never get life from that place. God made everything beautiful and glorious and glorious. But only He is the source of life. We come to a pile of already juiced oranges and we squeeze for little tiny drops. It's insane. And until God rescues us, we will simply spend our days trying to squeeze life out of a place, out of a fallen world, squeeze life out of somewhere that we can't get it. But some of you think you are getting it because it's the best you've ever had. And what you need to realize is even if you feel like life is full, you have settled for something far, far less than what you could have. For instance, consider Bill. He was born a slave to sin. He grew up knowing of God, but not really knowing God. So rather than serving the Creator, he served creation. He picked two slave masters, financial success and popularity. Bill began to work for these idols, but they did not pay well. Any amounts of success simply served to solidify his addiction, and soon he was in his early 20s and miserable because he kept working and working and slaving away. And it wasn't so much that his idols were elusive, they just could not give him more than a whisper of joy and life. The relationship Bill should have had with the God of life he had with created things, and he didn't want God because God threatened his idols. God wanted to replace them. And although his idols failed him time and time again, he could not turn from them because he believed their lies and he loved them dearly. Now your idols or slave masters may be different, but what are they? Where are you trying to squeeze life out of creation? Where are you addicted to things that on your better days, you know, do not profit you? Following the fall and the consequences of Genesis 3, God doesn't do what we expect. He doesn't kill Adam and Eve. He sets out to rescue them and their offspring. To rescue humanity, he calls a family, Abraham and Sarah. He gives them mercy and grace. He says, you will be my people, my treasure. He promises to be their God, to give them an inheritance. And then he promises to rescue many nations through them. Isaac is born to Abraham. Jacob is born to Isaac. Joseph is born to Jacob. Now we're in Genesis chapter 41. Joseph spends several years as a slave and then as a prisoner. Afterward, he is liberated and becomes a powerful political official in Egypt. He brings his family to live in Egypt so he can care for their needs. But after a generation or two, Joseph's good deeds are forgotten and his family, the Israelites, are oppressed and enslaved by the pharaohs of Egypt. But don't forget Genesis 3. All human enslavement, no matter what time or place it occurred, only happened because humanity is enslaved to sin. It's simply a shadow and a consequence of that. The Israelites are given harsh labor, but when their numbers exponentially multiply, Pharaoh becomes concerned about revolt and drowns all the male Israelite children in the Nile, and there's nothing they can do about it. They're dominated, helpless under the power of Egypt, and in the midst of their helplessness, God remembers His promises to His people, and He comes to deliver them. Let's read Exodus 6, 2-9. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard their groaning, the groanings of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not, what? Listen. They did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. You see, they weren't just slaves. They were broken-spirited and beyond hope. Slavery wasn't just something they were going through, it was their identity. They couldn't even listen. Exodus 6 is the first time we see the word redemption in the Bible, and it defines redemption for us. Redemption is liberation from spirit-crushing slavery and from seeing yourself as a slave. And it is liberation, to the promises of God and a new identity as his child. In Exodus 6, God redeems the Israelites because of his commitment to them. So in spite of them not asking him to free them, and in spite of them not listening to him when he came to do it, because they did not, in fact, right from the beginning, the Israelites preferred slavery to freedom. In spite of that, God still redeemed them because His liberating them from slavery had nothing to do with what they said or did or believed, but rather had everything to do with who He was and what He had promised to do for them. Every person who is ever redeemed is only redeemed because God chose to save them before they were listening. This was true for Bill. I talked with Bill recently, and he told me about the day God began to rescue him Uh, leaving work one day uh, the elevator door opened and i was standing there and as he entered in i asked him to join an at work bible study similar to noah he did not want to do it but he was a people pleaser so he said yes he started to come he heard the gospel he learned little by little about god's love and grace and glory and then he saw it he saw the truth God was better than everything He had ever wanted and anything that could ever be offered to Him, even if it was the entire world and everything in it. He saw the truth. God was better. God was holy, and He was a sinner, and He needed the cross. He needed to be delivered from the penalty He deserved for having passively hated God His entire life. He knew he couldn't make himself right with God. Only Jesus could. He accepted Jesus and light flooded into his life. But his slave masters weren't done with him yet. He had been freed from the penalty of sin, but now he had to learn to trust God so he could be freed from the power of sin. The Exodus is a picture of the Gospel, and once we realize that, we start to understand that although we are set free from the penalty of sin, our slave masters are not done with us yet. We are free, but we are still tempted to go back to our slavery, just like the Israelites. A few months out of Egypt, the Israelites were not talking about their oppression and God's grace or the death of their infant children Instead, they were pretending that their slavery was awesome because they found out something new. God had rescued them from slavery so they could fight a war. God had promised them a paradise kingdom, and now they found out that it wasn't just going to be thrown into their laps. They were going to have to follow God and fight to take it with His help. And they didn't want to fight. (laughs) Fighting was the last thing they wanted to do. It was too hard too scary, too much. Things were so hard, they couldn't even make the journey to the place where they needed to do the fighting. So they began to pretend that slavery was freedom and freedom was slavery. Exodus 16.3 records their complaining, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, or Numbers 11.4-6, And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic, but now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna, this bread to look at. You see, they were redemption amnesiacs. Rather than being full of gratitude and trust toward the God who rescued them from slavery, rather than asking God to fight their battles, they just wanted to avoid the battles. and they lied to themselves fish that costs nothing yeah except your freedom and the lives of your very own children they would rather go back to slavery to get free fish than go through the hard process of becoming the glorious nation that God had called them to be they were called to trust and obey God as he transformed them into his image but instead they just complained about things being hard and tried to trade the glory of God for fish Notice how similar that is to what Adam and Eve did. (laughs) They traded it for fruit rather than fish. In my opinion, that's a better trade, but still a dumb one, right? How easily did the Israelites slip back into acting like slaves? How easily do we? (laughs) Brothers and sisters... According to Luke 9:30 30 through 31 this is your struggle. You are in the middle of a second exodus, freed from slavery and thrown into a war. And maybe, because the war is hard, you've been calling sin freedom and holiness slavery. Some of you may even feel like you're not free because you were not expecting the fight. And maybe you've been fighting for a really long time and not knowing you were supposed to. And you tell yourself, if you were free, you wouldn't be fighting, but that's not true. The only reason you're in the fight at all is because you're already free. Feeling weary from battle is a sign of your freedom, not a sign of your slavery. So don't waste your energy trying to escape a war you can't escape rather than fighting a fight you have to fight. But here's the thing. We can't win the war by ourselves. The Israelites looked away from God and to themselves and they shrunk back. They had witnessed God wage war against Egypt. He did it without their help, but they were God amnesiacs. They were redemption amnesiacs. It was time to fight and they forgot God. They forgot what He offered. They forgot who they were to Him. So they looked at the war in front of them and you know what they said? They looked only to what they could do, and they concluded, this is hopeless. They said, we're just grasshoppers compared to these giants. They were talking and thinking like slaves. When you don't trust God, slavery speech will be in your mouth. I can't. I'm powerless. It's hopeless. I'll never overcome this. I'll never be able to handle this. God will not be in the picture, and you'll turn to an old slave master to get a small bit of pleasure or comfort when God offers you everything or perhaps instead you will go to war without God the Israelites did that too after rejecting God's help they decided that maybe slavery isn't so great after all and they went into the promised land and made war without God and lost many of them died how many of you bounce between these two extremes calling sin slavery freedom and then trying to stop sinning without God. That is a cycle that people have been living in since the Old Testament Exodus. That is what happened to Bill. He was liberated by God and then went to war against his sin without God and then went back to his sin, calling it freedom until it brought enough new death into his life that he once again woke up to its evil, but then he just tried to fight it on his own power again and failed again. Bill was a God amnesiac and a redemption amnesiac, just like the Israelites were, so he sometimes sought help from his enemies, and he sometimes fought his enemies with God, without God and lost, just like the Israelites. About a decade ago, Bill called me at 9.30 on a Sunday night. He was weeping, actually pretty hard to understand on the phone. He was drunk as well. He asked me to come to his place, which was a 35-minute drive. I I didn't want to go. Monday was around the corner, but I loved Bill, so I got up and prayed against my sin, my selfish heart, and prayed for him. I got there, and he was cussing, absolutely belligerent, F this, F that. He walked over and picked up something from the couch, and he chucked it at me. (laughs) He said, did you put this effing thing in my car? It was a tract. I was like, no, I didn't put that in your car. He was convicted to his heart by it. He says to me, I'm not walking with the Lord. I was, yeah, I've guessed that. I've turned back to alcohol and drugs. I asked him if he had any more drugs in his house. He said he did. I asked him if he was ready to flush them down the toilet, and he said he was, and he did. We began to read through Romans together, and although he was drunk and high... He was getting it. We read through Romans for two hours, and we talked about how God justifies us and rescues us, and then about how He sanctifies us. Bill had to prepare himself. Sanctification was going to be an all-out war, and it was going to take time, but if he kept going to God every time he fell, trusting that he was justified, accepted, and freed from the penalty of sin, even when he failed, God would free him from the power of sin. Prior to that night, Bill did not know this. And so each temptation to sin pushed him further away from God, and once he fell into sin again, he felt God no longer would accept him until he made things right. And he found out he could not make things right. He couldn't defeat his slave masters on his own, and instead he fell into serving them again. Turn to Romans 6. I want you to read part of what Bill and I read that night. Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 6 through 23. We know that our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. The gospel is beautiful. (laughs) What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness. End of verse 19. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> Do not forget Romans 6. Such a beautiful, important passage. Verse 6 through 11 say, uh, verses 6 through 11 say, Christ has set you free. Verses 12 through 23 say, now that you're free, fight. But fight in a, in a specific kind of way. Fight with the gospel. Okay. Do the opposite of what the Israelites did during their Exodus. They doubted God at every turn. They forgot His power and their redemption at every turn. Do not follow their pattern. Trust the God who graciously redeemed you from the penalty of sin because He will also war against the power of your sin. Present yourself to God, go to God to be filled. Go to Him with your fears. Go to Him for comfort. Go to Him to be put in awe. Go to Him to confess and repent. Don't exchange all that God wants to be for you to depend on created things that at best numb you. Present yourself to God. Rest in what He has done for you and then live your life for His goals and purposes. You see, fighting sin has a lot less to do with saying no to the wrong things than it does with saying yes to the right things. If you say yes to all that God wants to be for you, fully trusting His promises and His gospel, saying no to sin will be an issue because it can't compete. If you say yes to all the ways God wants to use you for His righteous will, it will be easier to say no to sin, but that's the fight. Right, The fight is trusting God. It's saying yes to God. It's doing the things that remind you of the beauty and greatness of the gospel when you don't want to. It's doing the things that awaken you to the glory and beauty and power of God when you don't want to. I've been a pastor for 10 years. Most of the days I need to wake up and remind myself of the truth because it isn't automatically operating, and it's so easy just to go on without remembering it. But I am so thankful that God lets me taste the fruit of my foolishness. Death catches up with me so much faster than it used to, and I praise God because He's not allowing me to get away with it, and I hope He doesn't allow you to either. If you're tasting death due to the way you're living right now, repent. Why would you not? I'm not saying hellfire, brimstone, escape it. I'm saying you're choosing what's less. You could be choosing life and you're choosing death and you think death is life. It's insane. We know this. Our culture is crazy. How many things do people do out there? They know that kills them, but they love and do it anyways. Choose what's best. I don't see that it is best. Well then, you don't see clearly and you need to go to God and talk to Him about that so He can give you eyes and ears to see and hear. Go to God. Confess the dullness of your heart. Cry out, redeem me, Lord. Open my eyes, enter my soul, put the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God in my hand and help me to slay these sinful thoughts, feelings, and actions. God has supplied the way of freedom. It is drawing near to Him. And as you do that, verse 22 says, You will bear fruit, leading to sanctification and its end eternal life. I love verse 22. God is honest with us about how the war against the power of sin is won. It's won like any other war, battle by battle, city by city, country by country until the end. Grab onto that hope. Perfection isn't the mark of whether you're growing. The war is. If you are warring against your sin with God in the gospel, you are on the road to righteousness and eternal life, so don't lose heart because of the war. Be encouraged by the war. It's a sign of grace, not defeat. If you're in a war, that's a sign of your freedom, not slavery. I talked with Bill a few months ago, and I couldn't believe what he said. Um, he was a seasoned soldier. The last decade had been filled with setbacks and lost battles with little and big voluntary enslavements, but Bill always confessed and repented. He always fought the fight of the faith and returned to God, remembered the gospel, and counted on God to wage the war. In talking with Bill, it was clear his knowledge of God had grown deep and his heart trusted it. I almost cried (laughs) hearing about the freedom he had. Bill was free. These idols that used to be Goliaths in his life were now the grasshoppers. Bill was free, but his freedom wasn't won by godless effort. It was won by presenting himself to God every day after every success and after every failure. As Bill pursued knowing God and grew to trust and love and honor God, he was released from his desire to go back and be a slave. He started to see just how insane it is to choose to be a sin slave when God has made him his son. Bill's not perfect. But his war against sin has been continually more victorious because he has accepted that the war of sanctification is part of why he's still here, is part of God's will for him in this life. And he has tasted that that war is not always easy, but he has tasted also that it's always good. He has tasted the fruit of righteousness and he sees eternal life from afar and it is better, so he battles on. So hear this. Exodus shows us that our natural tendency is to be redemption amnesiacs who resent the war we've been freed to fight. But Romans 6 tells us that we can be victorious in the fight against sin because God has promised us victory. When we come into the presence of God as people who remember the gospel, we fall in greater awe of Him, we desire more to honor Him, and we become more free, more holy. But if we don't go to God, we will go back to slavery. Okay, listen, brothers and sisters, you are free from sin live like you're free and fight the good fight of the faith free men make war slaves don't free men stand against those trying to oppress them or die trying slaves don't free men fail (laughs) but they get back up because they know they are free free men don't resent the weariness of battle instead they are grateful that in Christ victory is guaranteed so stop acting like a sin slave because you're not one. God has made you His son or daughter. That's who you are. Redemption bids us to make war on our sin with hope and joy and tenacity. Do that today by drawing near to God, even if it's been a year, even if it's been a decade, even if you've been faking it for a decade. Don't wait. Draw near to God for rescue. Make war today, hope in God. Let's pray. Brothers and sisters, please consider God our Redeemer, and if you feel empty or if you feel like you have never been set free from slavery to sin, won't you ask God to rescue you? Ask Him to set you free. Perhaps for the first time, really ask Him to set you free. Ask Him right now. Right now, ask Him. I'm going to give you time. And God, we know that we have been set free to fight, not set free to sit around. Brothers and sisters, for some of you, This may be the first time you realize that you need to fight. For some of you, you may be resentful that you have had to fight. You just want it to be easy, and so maybe you are calling your old slavery freedom because it's easier to be a slave than a soldier. Talk to God about that now. Ask Him to encourage you in the battle. Ask Him to help you see that you are free to fight. Ask Him to give you joy in the battle. Ask Him to fight the battle with you today. Pray to Him right now. Brothers and sisters, think about your life right now. What is that sin in your life that you keep going back to? What sin are you failing to fight? Where are you calling slavery to sin freedom? Confess that to God. Tell Him what specific sin you would like Him to fight for you. And ask Him to help you remember it's slavery. Ask Him right now. God, we thank you for redemption. Just as you have liberated us, please fight for us. And help us to know even on the days we lose the battle that the war is already won. Even on the days we sin, we are no longer enslaved to it. It cannot damn us. It cannot finally harm us. It cannot change that we are no longer under the dominion of darkness, but rather part of the kingdom of your beloved Son. So please, Lord, help us to present ourselves to you to be filled with your life and used for your will. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Amen.